Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast, episode 25. This week, this episode is going to be uh, a little bit of an echo from episode 12. Uh, it's going to be all about the Florida high school lacrosse season, but this time it's a wrap-up. Um, I, I like episode 12. I talk with Lee Roggenberg from FloridaLacrosseNews.com, and we just kind of recap the things that happened this season. Um, a couple big upsets that he noted, some players that he saw that impressed, some teams that you know, not only impressed him this season, but we kind of l- look at a little bit ahead. Um, obviously, a very early preview of what the 2018 season might have in store for us team-wise. So we talk with Lee a little bit, and then I also talk with last week's Player of the Week, who is Kevin Crowley from State Champion St. Thomas Aquinas. And Kevin and I, we talk about a little bit, obviously, her, her, the state championship game and the state semifinals. We just kind of, since he's a senior, we kind of recapped his seasons um, and, and what it meant to him to win a state championship, not only back-to-back, but also his dad, Terry Crowley, is the head coach at St. Thomas Aquinas, so we kind of talk a little bit about that as well. So without further ado, let's get in the interview with Lee from FloridaLacrosseNews.com. I figured we'd just kick it off with your, your quick take on you know the, the final of St. Thomas Aquinas and Lake Highland Prep. Like, uh, what, what, what were your initial thoughts when you saw those two teams were going to meet again? Okay. Well, that's easy enough. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because it was, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't really think it was going to be a close game. It got a little close in the fourth quarter, but I never really felt that, uh, St. Thomas was really in danger mm-hmm. of losing the game. Uh, it got close to like a two-goal game with about eight minutes left, but then St. Thomas scored the last three to make the 12-7 final. And uh, when you kind of saw the game, the first time they played earlier in the season, Lake Highland was just pushed around all over the place. St. Thomas got out to a big lead and just never uh, was challenged at all. And in this game, the first quarter kind of played out that way. Uh, and then all of a sudden in quarter two, the Lake Highland kids started to really compete physically, and they kind of were able to hung, you know, hang around. Uh, David McBrill was uh, injured in the second quarter. He had taken over the cage for St. Thomas late in the year and had played very well. Ryan Leahy came in cold and just started making save after save after save, and that kept Lake Highland from getting any real momentum. And uh, pretty much what it came down to was St. Thomas has just too much depth. Many people could hurt you uh, with the shot, and uh, they pulled away. Yeah. I mean, it, it was obviously kind of a, a whirlwind season. So uh, what, what was your, you know, because I know we had talked, and it would be a little bit of a kind of a recap of uh, our first podcast, but what was your kind of biggest surprise from, from the Florida season? Well, you know, if we do it from the regular season first, mm-hmm. uh, the type of surprises, uh, some of the programs that sort of really had very good years, like particularly in the Orlando area, Bishop Moore uh, was a lot better this year than I expected them to be. I thought they'd be better, but uh, there was a time when I actually had them ranked third in the state, and I thought they had actually earned it. And frankly, Lake Highland's path to the final was through them, and Bishop Moore had the ball and the lead with 20, maybe 30 seconds left in the playoffs, threw it away. Lake Island scored the tying goal late and won it in overtime. Otherwise, we might be talking about Bishop Moore yeah. in the finals. Uh, 
the single biggest surprise was the Lake Mary defeat of Ponte Vedra mm-hmm. in the second round of the playoffs, uh, overcoming a 6-1 to one deficit after the first quarter. And Ponte Vedra just uh, frankly did not uh, keep their intensity up, and Lake Mary found a way to shut down their offense the rest of the game and eventually caught them and passed them and beat them 9-7. to seven. Uh, then you look at a school like Haggerty, you know, they had a very good year. Tampa Jesuit had a very good year. Aaron Collier had a very good year. Those are the three biggest surprises, I think, for the regular season. And then when you look at, uh, uh, again, St. Andrews falling in the first round of the playoffs, mm-hmm. again to Oxbridge, uh, St. Andrews started the year so well, got very sloppy. Uh, late in the season, and when it came to playoff time, they really weren't t- able to turn it back on. Yeah. Um, I, I want to touch back on the 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 Ponte Vedra game a little bit because I, I I don't know about you, but uh, when I saw it, because I get the updates, you know, I follow their uh, their Twitter account, and I actually have the notifications pop up on my phone, and it was one of those moments like I was sitting here doing my my nightly work, and it popped up on my phone. And I was like, I've, I've been working too long because my eyes are blurry. I was like, because there's no way. <laughs> like, it, it was literally unbelievable. Like it literally, I was, I looked at, I looked at it through, and I was like, they must have typed it wrong. Like I just didn't, didn't believe it. Like I had to go and check like two other sources. I was like, oh my. I was like, I, I was shocked because I mean, like kind of like you, I, I thought this was Pontevedra's year. I thought they had, you know, I, I was looking at a St. Thomas Aquinas Pontevedra rematch, um, somewhere in the in the Final Four championship game this year. So. I was shocked. So, you know, what do you think it was about St. Mary that just matched, or sorry, Lake Mary, that matched up with them so well that, you know, allowed them to beat them, and then obviously they, that kind of propelled them into the into the Final Four as well? Well, you know, Lake Mary had a streak in the middle of the year where they had some pretty big injuries. Charlie Regalta, Hofstra, commit, had missed the, uh, uh, had missed quite a amount of time earlier. Shiloh Shassian, uh their face-off guy uh, had missed some time, but you know they got healthy towards the end of the year. And one thing that I think was very much in Lake Mary's favor was their schedule was very tough down the stretch. Got them very prepared. Uh, the only two losses late in the year that they had <clears throat> were uh, a one-goal loss to St. Edwards on the road and a one-goal loss to Oxbridge on the road. But they came down and they beat Stoneman Douglas. They, uh, they took out Johns Creek of Georgia. Uh, and so they just kind of got on a roll, and uh, you could sort of, you, we knew they were talented. We weren't sure if they were. And you know, the thing with Lake Mary, you always have to sort of put Garrick Robinson in the equation. <clears throat> most people, most of the coaches down here would not want Gary to do the game plan against them. He's very well known for that. He just found a way to utilize his strengths. Chassian outplayed Andrew O'Dare uh, at the faceoffs in that particular game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of knew that the possibility was there. Remember, they took him out two years ago also in the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lake Mary, to be honest, you know, they had the game against Lake Island in the semifinals, too. They were up 8-6 to six with ball, uh, eight minutes or so left, and just completely in control of the Lake Island game. And then they started to lose their poise on offense, took some shots they didn't need to take. Lake Highland, again, was able to catch them late and uh, score the game winner in the last minute to go to the finals. But Lake Mary could have 
even the finals too. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a, a whirlwind season. Kind of like you and you mentioned the Oxbridge game. Like, what did that kind of did that signify anything? Because obviously, it's the second year in a row, Oxbridge has uh, has down St Andrews, kind of heading into that that playoff stretch. Um, did that signify anything to you? Like, is it kind of a, a signal? Like, what's going on with St Andrews, or is Oxbridge Academy just that much of an up and coming program that you know maybe they're the the new big dog that to look out for? I think you got both. It's both. It's it's both that Oxbridge has now established itself as a year in year out top program in the state, and you know it's you got a coaching staff there that really is going to be able to train kids up, get them to play together, and uh, as the year went on, uh, and and also I think they have the best collection of long poles in the state. Who was some of the players that impressed you the most? this season that you that you saw in person obviously I know there's no way you saw everybody in the state so just you know the players that you saw in person um who were some of the most impressive ones that you saw well you know I think that uh one of the things just to go over to say the St. Thomas uh you know Kevin Crowley and Jimmy Harkin obviously the big names but Michael Costello had a terrific season uh Joey Guglielmo never gets enough credit on that team and you know just in general they have so many kids that uh, know how to play and are very physical and are you know, willing to take the hit in order to make the play uh, great on ground balls etc and the other goalies both had great years down the line uh, when I looked at you know pretty much around the state there's so much talent that's just coming out these days that uh, it's it's such a big pool right now. Uh, I looked over at Benjamin, and you know, a lot of these schools, the big names performed. You didn't see a lot of you know players who sort of come out of the woodwork uh, this year. It was really more of a star type performance. There was a kid over in Baron Collier, I think his name is Connor McGraw, a lefty attackman who was really. Uh, impressive when I saw him against St. Thomas, had five goals, but he uh, hurt himself in the first round playoff match with Gulf Coast, so Barron really missed him in that final eight game. Uh, I mentioned uh, the couple of Lake Mary kids. Uh, over in, at Lake, uh, Lake Island, you had, um, oh gosh, uh, Christensen is narrow, really. He was not an unknown. But boy, for a little lefty attackman, he played really tough and certainly impressed. Michael Fess had a wonderful final four and goal. Uh, oh, my but still there, Lee? And, yes, oh. I'm here. Yep, or you're breaking. You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, what was the last thing you heard? Uh, you're, I think you just started talking about a different player. I actually kind of lost you a little bit. Okay. Uh, what did did we uh, did you the, get? We're talking about Lake Highland Christian. Uh, kind oh, of. Okay. Gotcha. Christian Cisneros uh, really impressed me. A little lefty attackman. You know, he wasn't an unknown, but I really thought he stepped up his play uh, for them late here. Uh, I looked at. Uh, there's a kid uh, whose name is escaping me. Bishop Moore, a sophomore attackman, is like six foot one ninety five. I think he's a football quarterback for them also. And uh, I'm sorry, Jack, for forgetting your uh, last name on this one. 
but he certainly impressed me. There were two freshmen on Jupiter uh, that I think you're going to be hearing an awful lot of down the line in Devin Rasmus and, uh, oh gosh, again, the, the other one sort of <laughs> <laughs> on me. Yeah, sorry, uh, Rasmus and uh, the other name is actually kind of very close also. Okay. Uh, sorry about that, kids, but uh, <laughs> with 200 schools, these names aren't going to always pop up in my yeah, head they right away. Yeah, roll off the tongue sometimes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, just, yeah, this, as, as I said, you know, this, there's a lot of talent out there that are coming along. Uh, you're going to be hearing an awful lot about uh, Florida lacrosse kids uh, coming out down the line. Yeah. Um, you know, I know obviously the season's one, you know, one day old at this point in time, but you know, is there any team that you saw this year that you think like this is probably the, you know, the team that's going to at least, you know, obviously we, we probably didn't learn our lesson with picking Ponder Vedra early, early in the year, but you know, is there any team you're like, oh yeah, man, this is going to be, uh, cause I'm looking at Lake Highland they had, and they were led in scoring by two juniors. You got to kind of think that, you know, with their, their pedigree that, you know, I mean, have, have they not? I don't think they've ever not made a Final Four um, since it's been been sanctioned. Uh, so, you know, I, I would well, have they'd be back it up was there. But. Real close this year. They were down to Haggerty with three go, with three minutes to go at home in the first round, and Bishop Moore they they had to score in the last minute to get by. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, yes, they will certainly return some uh, nice talent, but uh, it's. A lot of the schools do lose uh, top players. You know, Lake Island does lose Ethan Carpenter. It does lose Buck Daly. You know, they do lose. Uh, there's a lot of seniors that did start on that team. Mm. So yeah, they've got some kids coming back. But uh, to be honest, I think Bishop Moore returns more okay. uh, from the uh, the area, and might well be. And don't sit on West Orange, which maybe wasn't quite ready to you know, for prime time this year, but certainly uh, made great strides this year in that particular area. Uh, Pontevedra does lose a lot. Benjamin loses a lot. St. Thomas loses the big names, but there's still some uh, some pretty good depth coming back. Oxbridge loses a couple of kids, not as much. Uh, Jupiter really doesn't lose much. And, you know, I, I maybe I was just a year early on them, and they were just a goal shy in the district final against Benjamin, or maybe they make the run to the final four. Uh, so uh, Lake Mary, I'm just kind of looking at their roster just to see. I know uh, Chassian's gone, Ayers is gone, uh, and it's, they're going to be losing most of their starters, which was really their best year right. to make the run. Uh, then you kind of look at uh, some of the up-and-coming teams. Uh, Tampa area, Tampa Jesuit, uh, was upset in the first round of district. They were in a very tough district this year. Tampa Jesuit, Plant, and Berkeley Prep. Berkeley Prep had a very nice year, but just had a an awful final eight game against Lake Island. Uh, you know, just you're you're seeing it. I really I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think you have to look out for Jupiter next year. Yeah. Solely because of all these uh, teams I've named, I think they lose the. Oh, I think he dropped out again. Oh, well, that, no, that's kind of how I ended. They, oh, they okay. <laughs> they dropped out. All right. All right, Lee. Well, you know, I it's it's been great to talk. To, I w- wish we'd gotten to talk kind of during the season, but, you know, it was, it's, you know, how it is. Um, you know, but it, I thought it was a, it was a great year. And I mean, 
it's one of those like with the Oxbridge and the Ponte upsets, it's like that kind of what makes it high school. Like those kind of things can happen. You know, it's not, you know, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it's like that's why they play the game. And I thought it was a, a great season to kind of watch. I mean, you had some of the, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas and Lake Highland, which are kind of the, you know, the usuals uh, at that point. But then you kind of had some of look like some, some teams, you know, it looks like Florida's kind of getting to the point where you can't really, you're not really going to be able to pick. You know, maybe three, you know, half the final four each year. It looks like there's some teams that can can come in and out, and you know, get some upsets at, at different points in the season. So I, I always find that interesting um, when you can't really pencil in everybody at the start of the year, and you you know, you get to play and get to kind of see what happens. Well, you know, I just want to also throw in uh, that we had one heck of a women's final this year. Last year we had the Vero Beach upset. Uh, by Bartram Trail to end that ten-year uh, streak, yeah. uh, and that was a, a I think a triple overtime game if I remember correctly. And yeah. yesterday we had a double overtime final that was won by Bishop Moore uh, over St. Thomas's girls team. And you know, again, it's uh, we now have another name that now has a state championship, and it's just nice to see that the girls are starting to spread out and get more depth in their programs, uh, just like uh, the boys are. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't really tracked the girls for a number of years and definitely haven't tracked them in, in the South. But I know, like, Vero Beach, like, from what I remember, like, they kind of got, um, uh, they they stopped traveling. I guess the FHSAA kind of uh, instituted some rules, so they weren't able to go out of state. Because I knew they'd come up and play, like, the McDonough's, and they used to go and play, like, Milton out of Georgia and places like that that I thought really helped them once they got to in-state. Like, has that kind of been still been the case and why they might not be quite as powerful as they once were? Well, I think that you, know, you kind of get to a point where your dynasty gets tougher to keep going. Yeah. And eventually you get to, once you've lost the first time, the air of invincibility goes away. Yeah. They still have a pretty decent schedule. It's just that come down to them now mm, okay. uh, the double side on the boys uh, has been loosened up you know Ponte Vedra went north uh, St. Thomas went up to Massapequa and gave them a very good yeah and you know there's you know you're starting to see that loosen up too and I think that with the with the schools it's more along the lines of for the most part, if the parents are willing to fund a trip north, I don't think the FHSA is going to really say no at this point. Okay. All right. Yeah, I wasn't real sure. Like, I just kind of heard something a few years ago, and then it was kind of one of those I was like, oh, you know, if they can't trap like, because I'm sure those games really help teams. Like, I'm sure facing Massapequa out of New York probably really helps St. Thomas Aquinas because you just kind of get to see, you know, that, that level of competition out of a, a you know a traditional state power out of New York and then go back to your your in-state team. Yeah, it, you, you learn something you know, yourself and you get to pick up some things. Yeah, very much so. And uh, uh, Casey Vock was uh, down covering the game, the yep. finals on the boys' side last night. And uh, as uh, he was finishing his interview with Terry, I was kind of chirping over to him, top 25, Case, top 25, <laughs> 25 in the nation, and uh, he was uh, he was chuckling about it and said, you know, we're you know if you had beaten Massachusetts, Massapequa, yeah, more like top 35, but definitely a contender. Yeah. So we're starting to get that uh, respect, 
And, you know, this was kind of a year, I, I kind of followed the out-of-state stuff a little bit more too this year, and particularly the St. Ignatius trip to Long Island and to D.C. I thought that was a marvelous uh, result for non-hotbeds. I've been watching Woodlands, been watching Lambert. Lambert finally got their top 25 rating in Inside Lacrosse uh, last week, and, you know, it's just... Uh, I think that we've turned the corner. I really do. I think that we're not at a point where maybe pollsters will consider a St. Thomas win over Benjamin to be just like a Smithtown East win over Gordon. When yeah. they start to pair with that type of thinking, then you're going to see a much broader top 25 uh, from these pollsters. They just have, they're so used to the oh, boys, Latin has seven losses, but look at the schedule they played. They're a top 25 team. Right. Mentality that they don't necessarily think, okay, maybe Archbishop's folding isn't all that good and shouldn't have that you know, be considered the quality win. You know, maybe there are teams outside these states that play each other and it should just be thought of in a different manner. Yeah. And that's when we'll finally turn that around. Well, I wouldn't be surprised just from, you know, having years pass back in, when I was with ESPN and having done the rankings. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see St. Thomas Aquinas actually finish the year um, in at least one of the top 25 somewhere. Like, it always ends up one of those things, like, it, it gets loaded with a lot of the Maryland and New York teams because, obviously, Florida starts so much earlier. They traditionally don't start um, years in the top 25 just because, like, by that point, like... St. Thomas Aquinas, I mean, they're finished with their season. There's still basically a month and a half of, of high school season left. Like, when the teams ahead of them lose, they just kind of naturally move up. So, you know, I know from my years past, and I I'm, I'm have to look at, you know, what other polls have done. Traditionally, like, the Florida teams get held out a little bit longer just because they let the other teams ahead of them kind of lose. So they're always kind of like, the, you know, kind of held in reserve almost. Like, all right, you know, you know, you think they're probably like a top 25 team, but if you put them in too early, then they end up top 10, and that's probably not where a lot of people think they probably should finish the year um, just based yeah. on the schedule. So usually they end up just finishing kind of a little bit later in the year. Like I, I would think once you kind of get the New York playoffs, you're probably going to start to see St. Thomas Aquinas start to make some appearances um, somewhere in some national polls because, I mean, I think they played a tough enough schedule, and I think they did enough um, to probably warn it. Um, at at some point in the year, but I, I think it. You know, I know for the Florida guys, you guys, you, you'll you'll be done and moved on, but you know the rest of the country will still be playing lacrosse. So I think by the time um, that those, those kind of scenarios play out, like I, I would not be surprised to see St. Thomas Aquinas make an appearance at some point. And obviously, once they get in, they won't get out because they can't lose. So, <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that's interesting is I'm going I'm going to be following Massapequa carefully and if they keep winning I might start to have a little fun on the site with covering their games well as yeah, sort of it, way, that's yeah, a really good sort of, point because sort of remind people how good St. Thomas was you know Mike there's one other thing that down here that a lot of pollsters don't appreciate and that is how much more travel Florida teams and Texas teams and California teams have to do. You go up to Long Island and if you want to schedule, you're no longer and you come down here and it is not unusual for teams. For instance, Lake Island 
played the semifinal on Friday and went back to Orlando so they could sleep in their own beds Friday yeah. night and then turned around in another two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it is back to Jupiter the next morning. And we have plenty of teams down here where two to three hour trips uh, in a day to play a road game is not unusual. Yeah. And so you just, you, the fact that they can still do that on a school night and get back home, get back to class, et cetera, do your training and all the rest of it, it's something that is very unappreciated yeah. up north where yeah. they have very easy travel schedules for the most part. Yeah, you can basically walk from uh, Boys Latin to St. Paul's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it might be a little bit longer walk, but you, you could walk to those. Well, maybe not St. Paul. Gilman and uh, Boys Latin and a lot of those Baltimore schools are they're, they're relatively within walking distance. But to your, to your point earlier, um, you know, every St. Thomas Aquinas fan should become a Massapequa fan at this point in the year because I think if you saw Massapequa go on to win um, Class A in New York, There'd be no doubt that St. Thomas Aquinas would be a top twenty-five team because if they only lost by three to a uh, the New York Class A champion, <clears throat> you know, just, I mean, that that's that would speak volumes. So you know, like for any St. Thomas Aquinas miles. fans that are yeah. out here, Massapequa was yeah. your new favorite team for the next month and a half, two months of the season. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, Absolutely. Lee. Well, I really appreciate it again, man. You making time? I'm sure it's a busy Sunday, so I'm gonna let you get back to your your normal day of work. So uh, thank you again, man. It's going to be, uh, yeah, I got two finals to write up and, uh, you know, have some fun with that. And, you know, not only is it the high school stuff, you know, we have the Sunshine State Conferences this weekend, uh, launch one last night, thankfully. And uh, just a lot of stuff to catch up, all American selections, the whole bit. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, remind everybody of the where to follow you on, on Twitter and Facebook and wherever you, you'd like everybody to, to check you guys out at. Well, you know, www.floridalacrossenews.com. Twitter handle Florida. Dot, uh, I'm sorry, Florida capital LX. And uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, FLALAXNEWS.com. Right. And I'll be sure to, to put links in all the show notes for all those. So uh, be sure to check them out because I know you guys do do a lot of stuff with the, the, the launch uh, during the season. So even though the high school season is done, you guys will keep plugging along. All right, so that was kind of our recap of the Florida high school lacrosse season. I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to believe that we already have a couple states because obviously South Carolina is finished as well. But it's hard to believe that we already have some states with state champions because it honestly feels like we're kind of into the the meat of the season with most of the Northeast kind of, you know, the MIAA out of Maryland kind of getting into their conference season. And, I mean, they'll be wrapping up soon. But, you know, New Jersey and Massachusetts and Connecticut, we still got a lot of states states playing. So it's kind of hard to believe that it's almost done at this point. So now we're going to go on to the last week's uh, high school player of the week was Kevin Crowley from St. Thomas Aquinas out of Florida for his performance in both the state championship and the uh, semifinal game. Uh, about the, you know, obviously the, we, we won't recap the season, but talk a little bit about the last two games because obviously you guys were defending defending state champ going into the final four uh, for the third consecutive year. So what was what was this weekend like and maybe compare it to last year? Um, yeah, well, we've just been working this whole season and, uh, 
earlier in my high school like career when we'd get to the final four we were super excited and uh really happy to be there but uh the amount of times that i've lost there i lost twice at the final four and that kind of pushed me to not be happy just to be there and um when we knew we were there we worked very hard in practice that entire week got prepared for both benjamin and either team we'd play like Hannah, like mary and um, we were just prepared. The coaches had us ready, and we performed to the best of our ability and fortunately brought it home. Yeah. You, you'd mentioned um, the losses and kind of how they pushed you um, to not just be satisfied with just getting there. How was this year um, different than last year having won it? You know, you guys kind of got over the hump and won it all last year. And so this year you guys were kind of the ones with the, the target on your back, and everybody was looking at the you know, you were the one that wanted to – be not, or they wanted to be the ones to knock you guys off. Like, how was that a little bit different from from your guys' perspective? Um. Well, yeah. All year we kind of reinforced that. Like we talked about that while we were at workouts, while we were practicing. We knew that we were the team that everyone wanted to take down, and that everyone was going to play their best game against us. But uh, we love that, and we fuel off of it, and we really just um, like we we love the competition, and we just wanted to outwork everyone when we were working out and stuff. We all said we are the ones with the targets on our back. So we have to outwork everyone. We can't let us be beaten. Um, And, you know, what did it kind of mean to you? Obviously your, your dad coaches the team. uh, So, you know, you know, obviously your, your last game, like what was that like, you know, when you were, um, because obviously from the, at least from the article I read, it sounded like you guys were pretty well in control of the game. Talk a little, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Um, talk a little bit about the game, the Lake Highland game, and how that kind of played out for you guys. Um, yeah, we kind of focused on jumping out on them early. And uh, once we got up 4-1, they fought hard, but uh, we just stayed out in front of them. Um, it was like every time they'd score, we'd bounce back. So um, we tried to just shorten their runs as much as we could. And um, really, we just kind of controlled the ball, our face-off guy. Ryan Escarado played out of his mind and uh, really got us control and offense slowed it down and we just played our game. Yeah, Stay I think I read in the article that your your goalie had your starting goalie had pretty gotten injured um, partway through the game. What was that like? Yeah, well, they actually split time the entire regular season, and uh, Dave Madrill, the senior, took over in the playoffs. And he played great. And in like the first quarter, he or second quarter, he hurt his ankle. And Ryan Leahy came in and played absolutely out of his mind. He was just all over everything. It was like once he made that first save, he was just on fire. Yeah. But he really uh, kept us in it because they were when they'd make a rally, they'd be coming back, and he would just be making stop after stop. And uh, it really got the whole team pumped up. Did you guys say anything to him? obviously coming in at that point in the state championship game had to be a little nerve wracking. Anybody say anything to him to kind of, you know, make sure he was, the nerves were, were relaxed. Uh, well, his dad's actually the goalie coach. So I'm sure he was, he stays in his ear all the time. So yeah. Okay. Sure so he's dad- talking, but uh, I was actually, it was in the middle of a play. Like when, when we brought the ball back down on offense, they just kind of did a quick switch because, uh, Dave Madrid was really hurting goal. Like he was hobbling around. Yeah, so, so no so, real time. So no, no timeout called. No real time to. Uh, no, nothing. Just, he just went fly. in on the fly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably for the best. You don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to yeah. worry about it. You just get in there and let it, you know just takes over. Yeah. 
Um, so kind of going back to what I'd started to ask earlier, you know, obviously your, your, your dad's the head coach and been with him the last four years and won it all last year. Like, you know, for you personally, like, what did it kind of mean to, um, go out as back-to-back champions and, you know, give your dad his second consecutive championship? Yeah. It's like what I've been dreaming of since I was a little kid. There's no better way to go out and leave a legacy than that. I mean, it's not only with my dad that I've been around, but he's been coaching our senior class for probably 10 years now. Me, Jimmy Harrington, Joey Guglielmo, we've all been playing together since we were in probably the second grade. So uh, as a group to go out like that, it's I couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. Well, you know, at what point during the game uh, did it kind of start to sink in that you guys were, were going to win it again? Um, at the very end, actually, there was about three minutes left. And um, C.J. Brodiak hit like a step down from about 12 to 15 yards and uh, hit it to put us up by five. And I figured if we get the ball here, there's no way. Like, we'll just hold it. And, I mean, I kept my nerves under <laughs> control and uh, kind of held the ball. We all ran it out. And it just – it, it kind of just it doesn't even hit me, like, while I'm there. Yeah. How to, how to uh like just get through the moment and everything, and afterwards it's like unbelievable. Yeah, I say, uh, explain to me, because uh, you know I've I've never been in that situation. So try, at least do your best to try and explain what is it like in those last couple minutes of a state championship game when you know you guys have won it, but you obviously you can't rush the field and kind of let that excitement. You know that excitement doesn't really come out until the whistle's blown and the game's over. What are those last couple minutes like? You know when you when you know it's it's basically over, but you're just kind of holding that energy. You uh, really have to kind of keep everything under control and channel it into uh, how you play because you know that they're not going to lay down. The other team, you can never think you're out of it. So we uh, really just use all that energy built up until the last couple minutes just to finish it off because especially for me this year being a senior, it was like it's my last couple minutes here in this uniform. So I just got to give it my all and finish it before I can uh, go crazy. Yeah, but it was definitely uh, definitely a good time at the end there. <laughs> what, what was the? Did you look for anybody, or was there anything like when the when the whistle blew? Did you look for anybody to hug, or you know, what was the kind of that, that mentality at that point? Actually, uh, me and Jimmy Harrington have were talking throughout the whole game, and even last year at the at the end of last year's game, it was more like surreal because it was the first time. With about a minute left last year, I looked over at him and like we just kind of looked at each other and were like, "This is actually happening!" Like what we've been talking about. So then this year again, I like just look over at him at like two minutes and just kind of shake my head and he's like, "I don't know, bro. Like it's unbelievable." And uh, it just it's crazy because we uh, me and him started playing together and like just been through everything together and um, there's no better way to stop like to end our careers. Yeah. So, you know, does the second one feel any different? Um, Yeah, definitely, just because it's my senior year. And uh, that's kind of what was pushing me all year, that it was my turn to leave a legacy. And um, last year happened, and that was great, but that means nothing about this year. So it was my turn to uh, leave behind a legacy.